Welcome to the program today. I'm Pastor Jeff Shreve, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries, heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio. Well, I have been filling in for Dan Celia. We've been praying for him as he uh, still battles and recovers from COVID. And so just want to encourage you to keep praying that God would put his healing hand upon Dan and that he would come back quickly and that uh, the Lord would restore him to good health. Well, speaking of health, I wanted to talk to you about a subject that many people don't like to talk about, but it is a, it is a very important subject, and that is the this subject of death. When I do a funeral, I often talk to the people. I always want to want to uh, share the gospel at any funeral I do, and I've done funerals for uh, people that I didn't know if they were Christians or not. And when I do that, I always just say, "Well, this person has passed into eternity, and uh, they see things now from God's perspective, whether they're uh, you know wherever they went. I don't necessarily know where that person went if I don't know them, but uh, I said they're." they're perspective now is from eternity. You read in Luke 16 about the uh, Lazarus and the rich man, the rich man who went to Hades, which is a precursor to hell. uh, He had a very different perspective after he died than before he died. But I typically share this verse from Ecclesiastes 7 verses 1 and uh, 2. A good name is better than a good ointment, and the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of feasting. Why is that? Because that is the end of every man and the living takes it to heart. You know, one of the things about a funeral, you can talk very openly and very plainly about the taboo subject of death because everyone is thinking about death because that is why they've gathered to pay their final respects to that person they love, that person they knew, that person that they rubbed shoulders with. And, uh, and, and we're confronted at a funeral with the fact that one out of one person dies. And then what? That's the big question. What happens after a person dies. Now, the Apostle Paul said this as he was giving his uh, defense before Governor Felix. He said, but this I admit to you that according to the way, which they call a sect, do I serve the God of our fathers, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men cherish themselves, He's talking about the religious leaders. And then he says this, this is Acts 24, 15, that there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. There's a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. Now, we kind of think that there's going to be this, this day, we call it resurrection day, where every man, every woman, every boy, every girl is going to stand before the Lord and give an account of his or her life. Well, it, it, that's true in a sense, but it's not the same day and it's not the same situation. God has reserved a special day for the wicked and a special day for the righteous to stand before him and to give an account. What happens when a person dies? Well, in Luke 16, we read about Lazarus who died and the rich man who died. 
Lazarus, who had faith in the Lord and was a believer, he went to paradise. He was seen next to Abraham in Abraham's bosom. And the rich man, who didn't have saving faith in the Lord, he went to a terrible, horrible place that the Bible calls Hades. And he said to Abraham, I am in agony in this flame. When a person dies, their body goes in the grave or their body goes in the crematorium, or their body goes in the sea. Their body is separated from their soul and spirit. So their body goes in the earth, let's say, because most people get buried or cremated. Their body goes in the earth. Their soul and spirit, either they go to Hades because they're unbelievers, or they go to paradise or heaven or Abraham's bosom. It's all kind of the similar thing. They go to be with the Lord. Absent from the body, Paul said to the Corinthians, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And then one day God restores soul and spirit with the body. He raises up the body and he restores us because we're made uh, a house of three rooms, we're spirit and soul and body, and he restores us with a body. He gives the wicked a body that will endure through all uh, generations, that will endure through all time, and he gives the righteous a resurrected, glorified body. The wicked don't have a body like that, but they have a body that's going to endure, and it's going to endure suffering forever and ever and ever. It is horrible to fathom that, but that is the truth from the word of God. And then the righteous get a body just like Jesus. John said in 1 John chapter 3, it does not appear as yet what we shall be like, but we know that when Jesus appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. So the resurrection that Paul talked about of the righteous and the wicked, Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, there's a poem I like. It's called Five Minutes After I Die. It says this, Loved ones will weep o'er my silent face. Dear ones will clasp me in sad embrace. Shadows and darkness will fill the place. Five minutes after I die. But faces that sorrow I will not see. Voices that murmur they will not reach me. But where, oh, where will my spirit be five minutes after I die? Not to repair the good I lack. Fixed to the goal of my chosen track, no room to repent, no turning back, five minutes after I die. <clears throat> Mated forever with my chosen throng, long is eternity. Oh, so long. Then woe is me if my soul be wrong five minutes after I die. When you die, you breathe your last in this life and your first in the next. And if you are an unbeliever, your body goes in the grave and your spirit and soul go to a holding place called Hades and you await your day in court before the Lord, who will judge you and then throw you into the eternal lake of fire that we call hell. Hades is kind of like the county jail, and hell is like 
the state penitentiary. You commit a crime today and you get arrested, you don't go straight to the penitentiary. You go to jail and you await your day in court. And then from court, if you are guilty and found guilty, then you are sentenced for your crimes to the penitentiary, especially if it's a capital crime. Well, uh, sinners who die without Christ, who ignored the gospel, ignored Jesus, who chose their sin over God's son, they're going to end up in Hades and they're going to await their day in court. And that is when they are raised up. There's a resurrection of the wicked. And the Bible talks about this in Revelation chapter 20. And the scripture says that there is going to be a day, this is at the very close of time as we know it. The, the Lord has come back. He's fought the battle of Armageddon. He set up his kingdom on the earth, the millennial kingdom, the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ on the earth. And then Satan is bound during those thousand years. You can read about that in Revelation chapter 20. He's bound for a thousand years so he can't deceive the nations any longer. But then at the end of a thousand years, Satan is released and he gathers out of the Lord's kingdom. It says he'll, he'll come out to deceive the nations which, which are in the four corners of the earth, and he gathers them together for the war, and the number of them is like the sand of the seashore. Now think about this. This is at a time where Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning on the earth with his glorified saints. Jesus Christ, you can see him. The, the, the world is perfect. It's like before the fall. Everything is wonderful. And, uh, you know, there is no more, um, there's no more desert and there's no more pain and suffering. It's just, it's, it's paradise on earth, so to speak, heaven on earth, so to speak. And still you have people that rebel against the Lord just to show that it has nothing to do with environment. What it has to do, the, the core of sin is we will not have this man reign over us. We don't want Jesus to be king in our hearts. We want to be our own boss. I want what I want when I want it. And the devil will deceive uh, the, the nations when he is released and they gather for the great war and they fight one last battle with the Lord and fire comes down from heaven and devours them all. And it says the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then there's the final judgment. It's called the great white throne judgment. Then the Lord calls up the dead and resurrects the wicked. Soul and spirit are put together with the body. And John says, and I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small standing before the throne. Hey, if you're just a disembodied spirit and soul, you don't stand. But when God resurrects your body and gives you a new body to stand, then you can. And they stand as a whole person standing before the throne. And books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. This is what we know as hell. And if any man's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That 
describes the resurrection of the wicked. And that resurrection and that judgment is going to be righteous and just. You know what's so, uh, so ironic? If you talk to the average person on the street that doesn't know Jesus, when you ask them the question, uh, if God were to say to you when you die, if the Lord were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? And invariably, they'll start to give you a laundry list of their good works. Well, I, I think I'm a good person, and I went to church, and I put some money in the offering plate, and and I remember helping this one guy on the road that said, uh, need food, and I gave him $5, and they just come up with some things uh, that they did well. I never committed a major crime. I didn't, you know, didn't, didn't have to go to prison or whatever. They have all these things that they say are good works that God should accept them into heaven. Well, the reality is... God is going to judge you based on the things that you did because you have sin, I have sin. No one can stand before God and say, Lord, I'm perfect. We're not perfect. And what's the standard? Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, that leaves everybody out. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. And the only way you get away from that is by receiving Christ. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it says at the great white throne judgment that books are open, which are the book of deeds, and God records all the sins that everyone commits. He records that. And another book was open, which is the book of life. But no one at the great white throne has his or her name in the book of life. You say, why does God open the book of life then? It's to show each and every person, Jesus died for you, and Jesus made a way for you, but you rejected it. You ignored him. Your name could have been in the book, but you said no. And every person at the great white throne will hear these terrible words spoken by the Lord Jesus. Not my will, he'll say, but yours be done. You didn't want me. You rejected my salvation. You rejected my sacrifice. Okay, all that's left for you is judgment. It's not my will but it's yours that will be done. And you will spend eternity away from God, away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his power. Hey, we're talking about what happens after we die. Don't go away. We'll be right back after the break. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. 
Hi, I'm Mark Harrington, founder of the pro-life group Created Equal and host of Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show. Created Equal is all about saving the lives of unborn children. Each week, I cover the latest pro-life news and feature interviews with unsung heroes from across the nation who are making a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice. Join me every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 for The Mark Harrington Show here on American Family Radio and discover how you, too, can help protect the lives of the most innocent among us. What will take place during the tribulation? Do Christians need to fear it? And what will the Antichrist do during his reign? This week on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress answers those questions and more as he continues his series called Perfect Ending. Find out what will happen during the end times this week on Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress. Weekday mornings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. The following are real life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. And welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here. I'm pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries, heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio. Well, we're talking about the subject, uh, not to be morbid, but the important subject of death and what happens after we die. Now, there is a natural human tendency to be afraid of the unknown. And the Bible gives us information about what happens after we die, but there's still, you know, it doesn't just give us a, a, a ton of information about it. And so there is still some fear uh, in the minds of people about what happens after I die. Now, for an unbeliever, uh, there is tremendous fear because they're living life under this um, this illusion that, well, I think I'll be okay. You know, you ask them, hey, do you, if, if you died today, you know for certain that you'd go to heaven. And well, I, I think so, maybe so, I guess so. You know, a, a Barna research poll showed that uh, over 70% of Americans believe in heaven and they believe in hell, but less than one half of 1% of people believe that they are going to hell. You know, one of the things about receiving Christ and understanding the gospel, the gospel, eongelion in the Greek, that means good news. But the good news only is good news when you understand the bad news. And the bad news is all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. And not just physical death, but spiritual death, eternal death, the second death 
This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if any man's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 2, since then the children share in flesh and blood, you and I are flesh and blood, that Jesus himself likewise also partook of the same. He was born of a virgin. He was flesh and blood. That through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. It is normal. It is natural to be afraid of death, and every lost person is afraid of death. And you've heard that expression, there are no atheists in foxholes. When people feel like death is imminent, what do they do? They naturally start to think about God. Now, that doesn't mean they they believe in the Lord or have a deathbed conversion. I still remember what I heard Johnny Hunt say one time, he said, do I believe in deathbed conversions? Yes, because there's one in the Bible, the thief on the cross. He had a quote unquote deathbed conversion. He said, but it's rare. Most people die as they lived. Very, very few really turn their lives over to Christ in the last minutes of life. The thief on the cross did. It's not impossible, but it is rare, and the Bible is not replete with stories of deathbed conversions. There's only one recorded. So an unbeliever who is going to face the great white throne judgment, he needs, she needs to be afraid, and she needs to see this is what's coming to me unless I repent, turn from sin, and put my faith and trust in the Savior. And that's why God gives us that stern, strong warning in Scripture that this is what's going to happen. Do not fear him, Jesus said, who can kill the body, but fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. That's the one you need to fear. So there's a resurrection of the wicked at the end of time before eternity sets in, where there's just eternal uh, heaven and new heavens and a new earth and no more people are born. That is, uh, is at the end of time before eternity starts, Revelation chapter 20. But what about for the Christian? Because there's certainly a resurrection of the righteous and the wicked. What happens to a Christian when a Christian dies? That is a great question. Because five minutes after we die, one second after we die, we breathe our last in this life and our first in paradise with the Lord. The Apostle Paul, when he was talking to the Corinthians, he said, uh, being always of good courage, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. The moment that your spirit and soul leave your body in death, that's when you go to be with the Lord. As Stephen said in Acts chapter 7, when he was being stoned, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. We go to be with the Lord. And Paul said he had that desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better than being on this earth. And then he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he said, we have as our ambition, whether at home in the body or absent from the body and present with the Lord, to be pleasing to him, whether we're on earth 
or whether we're in heaven, we want to please the Lord. That is our ambition. For we must all appear as believers. We must all appear. You can't get out of this before the judgment seat of Christ. That judgment seat of Christ, that is the Greek word bema, spelled B-E-M-A, bema, it's pronounced bema even though it's spelled bema, bema, the judgment seat of Christ that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, whether good or really it, it should be translated worthless. Here's the thing for a Christian. When a Christian dies, that Christian goes straight to be with the Lord. Spirit and soul, straight to be with the Lord. Body is not resurrected yet. The body goes in the grave. Now, at the return of the Lord, the the dead in Christ rise first. The body comes up and is reunited with the soul and the spirit and is changed. We we This mortal, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, shall put on immortality. And this perishable shall put on the imperishable. And we are made like Christ. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 that... Um, for, he says, uh, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has, even to subject all things to himself. And the Lord is going to give us a brand new body, and we are going to stand as saints. We are going to stand before Jesus and give an account of our lives to him. There is a day of reckoning for the Christian. Now, remember this with these two judgments, judgment seat of Christ for Christians, great white throne judgment for unbelievers. Everybody who stands before the Lord at the great white throne goes to hell. Everyone who stands before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema judgment, everyone there is going to heaven. Everyone there is their, their name is in the book of life. And that judgment is not a judgment of condemnation, as the great white throne judgment is. It's all condemnation. The Bema judgment, the judgment seat of Christ for believers, is a judgment of commendation. It's a judgment to determine rewards. And uh, at that judgment, we're going to have to give an account of our lives. And the Lord is going to look at how did we live our Christian life. It's not a judgment where you see everything from birth to death. It's a judgment where you see everything from your second birth until you died. What did you do with what the Lord gave you? What did you do since coming to Christ? What did you do with all your time? What did you do with all your treasure? What did you do with all your talents? What did you do with your opportunities? What did you do with your spiritual gifts that the Lord gave you? How did you use them? Did you use them to further the kingdom? Did you use them for uh, the glory of the Lord? Or did you waste your opportunities? Uh, what you did and why you did it. Those are two critical questions for a believer at the Bema judgment. And we're going to have to give an account to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the one who died for us in agony and blood. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, which is uh, another passage that fits hand in glove with 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He says this, 
For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You're not going to stand at the Bema judgment unless you have Jesus Christ as the foundation of your life. You've repented of sin and put your faith and trust in him. Now, if any man builds upon, upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, six, six different building materials there. Each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss. Loss of salvation? No, loss of reward. But he himself shall be saved yet so as through fire. Here's what happens at the judgment seat of Christ. It's you and Jesus. And I think the holy angels are be there too. It's a, it's kind of a, 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 it's not a courtroom so much. The Bema was a raised platform that was in the city. I've seen the one in Corinth that's talked about in Acts chapter 18. It's a raised platform where the magistrate would go. Speeches were given there. People could gather before the raised platform and returning uh, victorious warriors in battle would be honored there at the Bema. Uh, people that competed in the athletic games, they would receive their crowns there, their, their laurel wreaths, and they would be honored there at the Bema. That is the picture that the Lord is painting. And so we stand before him, not to be condemned, but to be commended. And the way the Lord tests us is by fire. He looks at our lives. Now, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 19, his eyes are a flame of fire. And so uh, he just looks at us. And when he looks at us, it will burn away everything that we did that was in the flesh. Everything that was of sin and self, it just goes away. And then uh, what is left is what he gives us praise for. Now, if you built your whole life with wood, hay, and straw, there's nothing left. It's gone. It doesn't stand the test of the fire. But if you had gold, silver, precious stone, that does stand the test of the fire. You say, well, what's the difference between those two? Gold, silver, and precious stone are things done in the power of the Holy Spirit. You were yielded to Jesus. You did the right things with the right motives. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory because of your love and kindness, because of your truth. You know, you can, you can sing a song in church, but you sing it for your glory. There's no reward in that. You can put money in the offering plate, but you do it to be seen of men. There's no reward from the Lord in that. You can preach a sermon. You can do all sorts of things. You can visit people in the hospital and in the prison, but if you're doing it with an ulterior motive for your own glory, there is no reward from the Lord for that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, the people who do that, they have their reward in full. You wanted to be seen of men? Okay, you were seen of men. That's all you get, but you're not going to get a well done from the Lord. Now, when we think about these things, it should produce in us fear, fear. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 10 talks about the judgment seat of Christ. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 says this, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. Listen, it matters as a Christian how you live. 
Faithfulness matters because we're going to have to give an account of ourselves to God. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, uh, I just, I don't care. I just want to go to heaven. And even if I just have a little shack on the outskirts of heaven, that is good enough for me. Why in the world would a person think like that? If your ambition is to please the Lord, then you don't want to have no reward. You don't want to, uh, the, the Lord to have, test your life and say, well, there's nothing here. All that you have to show for your Christian life is your, is your salvation. There, there are no works. There's nothing that you did. There's no gold, no silver, no precious stone. The Lord will be greatly displeased and dis, uh, disappointed that he can't commend you. You know, as the Apostle Paul said, or the Apostle John said, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. It gives God great pleasure and great joy, the Lord Jesus, to be able at the judgment seat of Christ to look at you and to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, my good and faithful slave, really do loss is the word slave. You are faithful in a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And he wants to be able to say that, but it has to be real. It has to be genuine. It has to be true. He's not going to say that to everybody because some people are not going to have anything left. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet so as through fire. How sad to live your Christian life, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, whatever it is. And all those years, you have nothing to show for your time as a Christian and nothing to say, Lord, as those men in the parable, Lord, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I made five more. Lord, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I made two more. You're like the servant that had one talent and buried it in the ground and has nothing to show for what the Lord entrusted him with. Hey, how are you using your time? How are you using your treasure? How are you using your talents? Are you taking advantage of the opportunities God has given you? What you did and why you did what you did are two questions that will be asked at the judgment seat of Christ. And we want to be prepared to meet the Lord with joy and not with shame. We're talking about what happens when a Christian dies. We'll be taking your calls after the break, so don't go away. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe that our ministry, as well as everything in the heavens and on earth, belongs to God, and our role is that of a trusted manager. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. In his image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies, very powerful. 
if it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction. There's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. As many of you know, Hurricane Ida devastated Louisiana in August, making landfall as a Category 4 hurricane, leaving thousands of families in need of hope. Do you know it's been three years since 8 Days of Hope deployed on a rebuilding trip where we help hundreds of families rebuild their homes for free? But today I've got some exciting news. We're announcing that 8 Days of Hope 17 is going to take place in Laplace, Louisiana from April 9th through the 16th, bringing hope to those who are feeling hopeless. We're going to be doing roofing and drywall painting and so much more. If you'd love to use your gifts to serve those in need, go to our website, 8daysofhope.com. As always, it's free to volunteer with us. Food and lodging are provided. And again, if you're looking to be the hands and feet of Jesus, join us in April when we go to Laplace, Louisiana during 8 Days of Hope 17. Again, for more information about this outreach or any arm of the ministry, go to 8daysofhope.com. That's 8daysofhope.com. Back in 07, my father passed away. My mother had passed away seven years earlier and they left me a small inheritance and I wanted to give back to AFA for all they have done for me. Carol talks about her experience with the AFA Foundation. I am an avid listener to AFR, 12 hours a day. And I hear Dan Celia talking about the charitable gift annuity. I liked what the uh, gift annuity offered, donated a certain amount, and from that, I get a check every month, which is retirement income for me. If you'd like to support the work of the AFA and receive a fixed income for life, a charitable gift annuity from the AFA Foundation may just be what you're looking for. Learn more by contacting the Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. And welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here. I'm the pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries, heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio, where we're talking about what happens when a person dies, uh, what happens when a non-Christian dies, what happens when a Christian dies. And I'd love to take your calls. The number to call is 1-888-589-8840. That's 1-888-589-8840. The scripture says this, the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians, Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from God. God. The motives of your heart, the motives of my heart, why we do what we do, for whose glory are we doing it? Billy Graham was on, a, on an interview, this is in 1992 with Diane Sawyer, and they were talking about the subject of death. And she said, do you think about death? And he said, yes, I do. And uh, she said, well, what, what do you want people to say about you when you die? And he said, well, it doesn't really matter to me what people say about me. He said, what matters to me is, is what one person, the Lord Jesus, will say about me. He said, 
I want to hear the Lord say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. And he said, But I'm not sure that I'm going to hear that. I remember hearing that when I first saw that interview and I thought, uh-oh, if Billy Graham doesn't hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, my good and faithful slave, if he doesn't hear that, the man who has preached to untold millions, the man who has led millions to faith in Christ, if he doesn't hear that, well, I don't think any of us will hear that. And so there was a part of me that said, oh, I think maybe Billy's just being super humble. Um, but here's the thing. You and I don't know. There's no way to know the motives of his heart. And, and he may not know completely. The Lord knows completely the motives of his heart. And the Lord knows the motives of your heart and the motives of my heart. And so that's going to be uh, revealed on that day. Now, I do think Billy heard, well done, my good and faithful slave, because Billy was a good and faithful slave, and Billy loved the Lord, and by all indications, he was doing what he did for the glory of Jesus. George Whitfield, who was the Billy Graham of his day in the 1700s, he said that he wanted on his tombstone these words, here lies George Whitfield. What sort of man he was, the great day will discover. When he stands before the Bema judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, and everything is revealed, then we'll know what sort of man he was. We're taking your calls, 1-888-589-8840. We have Rhonda from Texas. Rhonda, welcome to the broadcast this morning. Yes, yes, sir. Um, Pastor, I, um, like I was saying... Uh, to the lady. Can you turn your radio down, please? Yes, sir. Uh, I I was saying uh, to the the lady, um, the transitioning. I was saying to the lady. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Uh, the, I was just the transition in itself. I haven't been a very um, very nice lady in life, but I'd like to change. So I was um, wondering if it's if it's scary because that that's the word that I would change. You know, with I've been you know not a very nice person. Yeah. Well, here's the good news, Rhonda, that whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus Christ is not willing, he's not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. We sing that song uh, so often, especially in Baptist churches, if, you t- if you'll take one step toward the Savior, my friend, you'll find his arms open wide. And so, Rhonda, for you, regardless of what is in your past and and what kind of person you've been and and how you have maybe hurt other people with decisions and and actions that you've taken, Uh, you can turn from sin and self and you can put your faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone for your salvation. And he will 
forgive you. He will wash you white as snow. He'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life. The only people who have their names written in the Lamb's book of life are those who have repented and believed. Uh, See, a Christian is not different from a non-Christian in terms of uh, sins on their record. What makes a Christian different is they have uh, received Christ and Christ shed his blood and his blood washes away all our sins and he makes us white as snow. The apostle Paul, he called himself the chief of sinners and yet the Lord had mercy on him and the Lord forgave him. So no matter what you've done, God can forgive you for that if you'll turn to Christ and receive him as Lord and Savior. And uh, we would love to talk uh, more to you about that, Rhonda. Uh, You can email me at uh, jeff at fromhisheart.org. That's J-E-F-F at fromhisheart.org. And I'd love to uh, communicate with you more on that. Thanks so much for calling. We have Betty in North Carolina. Betty, welcome to the broadcast today. Yes, I would like to apologize because I am not on topic, but I heard you a few weeks ago giving the words to a song that your mother sang, and I was wondering if I could get all those words that you remember. <laughs> yes. Words, Jesus loves you. Do you care? Right. So it says, uh, here are the words. Do you know that Jesus loves you? Do you care? Do you know he died to save you? Do you care? Son of God and King is he, yet he died upon a tree. Do you love him? Does it matter? Do you care? And I still remember my mom singing that. Um, And I wasn't a Christian, and those words uh, stuck with me. And it's a great little song. I don't think you can find it anywhere. I think somebody just at the church we went went to, it's kind of a a charismatic, spirit-filled Catholic church. And uh, somebody made that song up and uh, we used to sing it there. But uh, I hope that's a blessing to you, Betty. That song has been a blessing to me as I sing it in my heart um, on uh, many occasions. Thanks so much for calling. Uh, We have Mike from Oklahoma. Mike, welcome to the broadcast today. Thank you very much. How are you doing this morning? Good. How are you? Fantastic. Great. So, I have a question that I've had for uh, for a couple years now, wondering uh, for people that die every day, if there's judgment day for them every day, or like in Revelation where it talks about how when Jesus comes, all the martyrs and others will be drawn up to heaven at that time. So are yes. we sitting around or are we getting judged? You know, are people getting judged every day? Yeah, great question. Uh, so for an unbeliever, uh, the the passage to go to is Luke 16. So when Jesus tells the story of the rich man and Lazarus, uh, the rich man, when he dies, he didn't go to hell because he was rich. He, he went to hell, actually Hades, which is the holding place of all the unrighteous dead. He went there immediately after he died because that is like county jail. You go to jail and uh, you await your day in court. The day in court for an unbeliever is the great white throne judgment, Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. And then after the great white throne judgment, then it is eternity in the lake of fire. If any man's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And the lake of fire is the second death. 
Now, remember this. If you are a once-born man, a once-born man dies twice. He faces the second death. But a twice-born man only dies once. You die physically in this life. And if you live when the Lord comes back at the rapture, you don't even die at all. Uh, you're just you're just like Enoch or like Elijah. You just are taken up and uh, and raptured to heaven. So when you die as an unbeliever, immediately you're aware and you go to this place of torment. That's what uh, the rich man called it. I am in agony. I'm in torment in this flame. Just like county jail is a lot like prison, Hades is a lot like hell. Um, and so that's what happens to an unbeliever. And for us as believers, when we die, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We're at home with the Lord. As Stephen said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. We go directly to be with the Lord, but we're spirits and souls in heaven with the Lord until we get our glorified body. And that comes when Jesus comes back uh, at the rapture, and we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus shall we always be with the Lord. That's when we're given the glorified body. So I hope that's helpful, Mike. Thanks. It's a great question. We have Jeff from Georgia. Jeff, welcome to the broadcast today. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Thank you. Um, my question is is uh, kind of piggybacks on the last one a little bit, and that is um, when we get our resurrected body, um, is it at that point, at what point in time, is that the body that we have during the thousand-year reign with, with Christ? And then are the, the ones that, the, the people that are not in Christ, that are in Hades, are there, I guess they, they're still there, because the great white throne judgment doesn't happen until the end of the world, I guess. Is that, is that correct? Right. So, so we, we get our glorified bodies when the Lord comes back. Um, you know, it says in Revelation chapter 20, when, uh, or Revelation chapter 19, that when the Lord returns, uh, John says, and I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat upon it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and wages war and his eyes are a flame of fire and upon his head are many diadems and he has a name written upon him which no one knows except himself. And it says, and the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean were following him on white horses. We come back with him. Now, we are given our glorified bodies when the Lord returns at the rapture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, and this mortal shall put on immortality. Um, and that's when, when Paul said to the Philippians, our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what does he do? He transforms the body of this humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. So at the rapture, unbelievers or, or believers that have died. Their, their soul and spirit comes back with the Lord. They're given a new body. We who are alive and remain, we go up, we're given a new body, and that's a glorified body. We go and we have the, the judgment seat of Christ there during the seven-year interval, and then we have the marriage supper of the Lamb, and the reception is the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth with his glorified saints. Now, during the tribulation or during the millennial kingdom, you have human beings 
glorified saints and human beings that are believers in Jesus, but they're still flesh and blood. Those human beings populate the kingdom. They have children and their children have children and their children's children have children. So you have this uh, population explosion because there's really no more sickness or, or, uh, or disease or anything like that when the Lord reigns. And uh, here's the thing. All those flesh and blood people that enter the kingdom uh, have to be believers, but then their children have to put their faith and trust in Jesus too. And as it tells us in Revelation chapter 20, that when the devil is released from his prison after the end of the thousand years, he gathers rebels together to himself like the sand on the seashore. There are going to be lots of people, as mind-blowing as that is, lots of people who don't put their faith and trust in Christ, even though they can see him, and even though they're living in the millennial kingdom, they'll rebel against the Lord. So those people who didn't trust Christ, their spirit soul is in Hades. They're going to be resurrected, Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15, at the great white throne at the end of time before we, the saints of God, go to live forever and ever and ever in the eternal state, the new heavens and the new earth. Great question, Jeff. Thanks so much for calling today. We have Earlene from Arkansas. We just have a, a minute or so left, Earlene, but what's your question? Okay, my name's Earlene, and my question is, what is your opinion on cremation versus burial of the Yes. Uh, the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about that. Uh, lots of people choose cremation. I think God gives us freedom there. Uh, to go either way we want to go. And uh, that doesn't affect the Lord at all in raising us from the dead. So uh, I think there's freedom in that choice. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope this has been an encouragement and enlightening to you as a believer in Jesus. And if you're not a believer in Jesus, now is the time to put your faith and trust in him. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Hey, go out today, shine for Christ, and share what great things the Lord has done for you. God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.